Bobby Hurley up the floor with Leitner. They throw it to the left of the floor. Leitner catches, comes down, dribbles, shoots, Another 2.1 seconds to madness, your college basketball podcast. I'm Russell Hainline. Uh, guys, sorry that this episode is coming to you a bit late. Uh, KB, on a Tuesday night when we were set to record, had a family thing come up. His family is fine, uh, but we were not able to record then. And then yesterday, my wife had a minor surgery. She's also fine, uh, but again, my attention sort of had to be there. Real life comes before college basketball so rarely, but <laughs> that is the case for this week, so I apologize that this is coming out late, uh, but, you know, uh, not a ton of basketball last week, not a, not a lot of huge marquee games, at least one big result yesterday that we'll get to uh, later in the show, but, um, yeah, not a lot coming up next week either, so uh, the day after Christmas when we would normally record, we will not have a new episode, there's really only four or five noteworthy games between now and and then we will record our next episode uh, set for, I believe, January 2nd. Uh, so over the holidays, sadly, you will not get a new episode of 2.1 Seconds to Madness. Coal in your stocking uh, is basically the equivalent of the news that I've just given you. Uh, apologies for that, but again, there just wouldn't be much to talk about. If something crazy happens, then maybe I'll do a little mini episode. Uh, but otherwise, I uh, expect a full episode with KB on January 2nd. Thank you to everybody who has been listening, who's been interacting with us on Twitter. Please, once again, leave us an iTunes review. Help us with our visibility. We very much appreciate everybody who has been leaving us iTunes reviews. Let's jump right into the show. No more dilly-dallying. All week, first team for the last week. Uh, Let's start with Trey Young. He's the big one. Everyone's talking about him. Oklahoma, 29 points, 4 rebounds, 10 assists in the road win over Wichita State. Last week, I thought he was going to have some trouble with Landry Shamit, and how does he respond? He scores, uh, what, 21 points in the first half? I mean, something obscene like this. Obviously, he put up 22 assists in the following game uh, the next day against a nobody, but at the same time, 22 assists is just an incredible number. Um, Yeah, he dealt with tough defense, and he really sort of stuck it to them. He was struggling a little bit at the end when Wichita State looked like they were making a run, but ultimately Oklahoma just kept making enough shots to keep that uh to keep that lead where they wanted it to be. Uh I'm I'm not worried about Wichita State going forward still. I mean again, they're going to get Marcus McDuffie back very soon. He's obviously a really really huge part of what Wichita State does. But still, even shorthanded, they're a top 10 team in the country, I would think. And so the fact that Oklahoma just simply could not miss against them uh, is a really, really big deal. I mean, uh, Oklahoma's shooting numbers, uh, again, I think they started a lot hotter than they closed. Uh, You know, they had a big lead at the half. Uh, They ended up 13 for 40 from the perimeter. That was definitely those numbers were higher at the half. Uh, But also they sort of had their way inside to some extent. You know, there was some troubles uh, that Wichita State had in terms of uh, containing the post play, containing some of the uh, dribble penetration, obviously, from guys like Trey Young. 
Shaq Morris did everything that he could. Uh, Daryl Willis. I, I definitely think McDuffie would help in that regard. I don't know that the game goes the same way if they're starting uh, McDuffie in that lineup. So, uh, you know, again, hopefully maybe a rematch at some point between these two because it was a great game to watch. I'm not worried about Wichita State. Really all I take from this is that Oklahoma is the real deal. They're playing at the fifth highest tempo in the country. They've got top 30 offense and defense, top five speed on offense as well, uh, top 10 in the country in terms of two-point field goal percentage, uh, nearly top 30 in the country in steal percentage. They're, uh, you know, they're working it out. They're turning people over. Uh, sorry, nope, the other way around. They're not turning over themselves. Uh, and, you know, they're just doing a great job one way or another uh, offensively. I, I still think that, you know, ultimately this is still probably Kansas's uh, Big 12, but Kansas has obviously looked a little vulnerable. I, you know, there are definitely some teams, your Texas Techs, West Virginia has obviously been uh, playing a lot better since it's sort of embarrassing opening uh, opening night loss. So I, I think the Big 12 might be a little more interesting than maybe we considered it to be. Then again, if Billy Preston comes back to Kansas, you know, that might change everything by itself. But Oklahoma fans definitely are excited to potentially contend for the Big 12 uh, which would be great. Speaking of contenders uh, for a conference title, let's talk about Kentucky. Uh, Hamadou Diallo, uh, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Most impressively, 4 for 7 from 3 in the big win over the feisty Virginia Tech team. Uh, look, coming into the season, what was the big question about Diallo? His shooting. He couldn't shoot. That was that was all the report, right? And now, granted, the shot still doesn't like look very pretty, you know, so it's, it's, you know, not necessarily something where I want to, I want to jump in bed, you know, with his shot form. That having been said, if you can make the shots in the big game when it counts, then it doesn't really matter, you know, what uh, the shot looks like. I mean, yeah, maybe in terms of how it projects to the next level, it might still be a little dicey. Obviously, his free throw percentage is still pretty bad. You know, 66% for a guard definitely won't get the job done. It definitely shows that, again, there's a bit of a hitch in that shot. But, you know, John Calipari doesn't care about that. You know, Kentucky fans don't care about that. They care about, uh, is Kentucky going to be able to win the big games? And, Three-point shooting has, you know, been an Achilles heel to some extent for, you know, the seasons that have been weaker in years past. Right now they're shooting 37% on the season. Uh, you know, Knox is doing okay in that regard. Uh, for a guy as big as him, he's definitely doing well. Uh, Quade Green definitely can shoot the three. Uh, and if Diallo can shoot the three as well, that's definitely going to just vary their attack a lot more than uh, maybe uh, teams, uh, pundits, thought would happen going into the season. A lot of people thought they would play very, very much an inside game. Anything that happens on the outside is just sort of a perk. And again, they're scoring 60% of their points on the inside. I don't want to act like, you know, this is like a big deal. They shoot, I think, almost fewer three-point attempts per uh, field goal attempt than any major conference team. In fact, that's absolutely true. I just double-checked that. 348th in the country in terms of three-point attempts per field goal attempt uh, out of the out of the field goal attempts but at the same time even if they shoot sub 300 in terms of three-point attempts that that ratio 
they want to be able to make them when push comes to shove. And so if they can make around 37 38% on the season from three, that's obviously going to make them a much more dangerous team than in years past, you know, where they've shot more like, say, 35%. You know, the teams that have done really well uh, are the teams that, again, tend to shoot, you know, very, very well or that tend to go to the free throw line a lot. Uh, this team's still working on that to some extent. Um, they're not a lead in that regard. They're merely really good. Uh, they're getting, uh, they're a little bit sub 50 in terms of free throw attempt ratio, but, um, again, a lot of positive things. If you're a Kentucky fan, I, I think Virginia tech is a scary team. Uh, I definitely, you know, they, they gave Kentucky all they could handle on the road, mo- mainly because they are the best shooting team in the country. Uh, 63.4 effective field goal percent. They are second in the country in three-point percent as a team and fourth in the country in two-point percent as a team. They play a high-tempo style of game. Uh, Again, Kentucky wanted to go quickly. Virginia Tech more than happy to accommodate that sort of uh, routine. Uh, They do get to the free-throw line at at a great rate. They're a top-ten team in terms of getting the free-throw line. So that offense is just absolutely frightening. Um, and they will definitely give a lot of the big-name teams uh, scares, whether at home or on the road, because if they're hot, they're going to be a team that's really going to hold some uh, some teams' hands to fire. Uh, staying uh, in the ACC with Virginia Tech, let's go to Clemson. Marquise Reed, uh, 22 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, uh, outplaying the entire backcourt of Florida in a 71-69 win in Sunrise, Florida, which, you know, is ostensibly a road game for Clemson. Uh, I really liked Clemson's backcourt coming into the season. Shelton Mitchell, Reed, DeVoe. I I think that's a strong uh, sort of trio of backcourt. If Brad Brownell is going to keep his job, make the tournament this year, that's where he's going to get it, right? Uh, On the interior, I don't really love their options. Uh, You know, guys like Elijah Thomas, Dante Grantham, they're they're certainly capable of you know doing well for themselves, good shot blockers, you know things like this. Uh, but I I think their team is going to entirely hang the hat on the success of their backcourt. Florida coming into the season, everyone talked about their backcourt: Jalen Hudson, uh, Kevon Allen, uh, Chris Chioza. You know even uh, Kulichov is you know sort of a, a guard as well. Uh, that four guard lineup. Um, definitely thought that Florida, at a, in a home scenario, essentially, should have been able to make quick work of Clemson. Uh, looked that way in the first half. Clemson just got after him in the second half. Um, you know, I, if if Marquise Reed is outplaying Chris Chioza, Kevon Allen, Jalen Hudson, then Florida's got a problem, right? Because Reed is good, uh, but if Florida wants to seriously contend for even a top two slot in the SEC, they, they've got to play better than that. And and certainly, it's looking like Duke really broke their spirit. You know, they lost to Florida State, blown out at home by Florida State after that. Lost to Loyola Chicago at home. Beat Cincinnati on the on a neutral court, which is good. But again, losing in Florida to Clemson. Barely beating James Madison to some extent. James Madison certainly hung in there way more than maybe a, a bad James Madison team should have. That's a sub-200 Ken Palm team. Uh, Florida needs to be beating them by double digits. So, yeah, uh, Florida struggling. Clemson, again, is another team. Don't be surprised if they pull off, you know, a home win against, you know, one of the big 
name teams. Uh, they've got, I tell you what, they've got UNC at home this year. They've never beaten UNC. <laughs> uh, maybe ever? Is that the stat? A UNC fan can check in with me on that. I, I don't know that they've ever beaten UNC. Uh, certainly they've never gotten a win at uh, in Chapel Hill. That, that much is certain. Um, but I don't know that they've beaten them at all. Uh, that's definitely one that they could pull off. Again, they've got Duke in February in Little John. Duke has struggled in Little John. Keep an eye on Clemson. Uh, there's definitely a lot at stake for Brad Brownell. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they continue to play. Another one from uh, the ACC. This is a very ACC-heavy edition. I apologize to the listeners. Tyus Battle, Syracuse, 29 points, including just basically an unstoppable run to end regulation and, and to enter overtime in their 86-79 win over the Hoyas. I obviously thought Georgetown was going to win this game, uh, especially after the start of the game. Syracuse did a nice job adjusting. Um, did a nice job, you know, sort of on both ends. Uh, Frank Howard uh, sort of put a put some duct tape over, you know, his his very the holes in his game. Right, uh, I, I'm still not a big believer in him. I think he had like seven turnovers in that game, uh, which you know they need better play from him. Period. Uh, a lot of things to like if you're Georgetown. Again, talked about this a little bit with K Bad last episode i mean this was their first real challenge uh against you know a top uh, a top 200 team everybody else has been sub 200 uh and you know they took syracuse a team that has at least uh tournament aspirations to overtime again at home but you've got to like you know the fact that georgetown was able to go against a syracuse team that again is going to try and hang its hat on its defense and score you know a point per possession I think that's really impressive uh, for a Georgetown team that, again, maybe people didn't have a ton of excitement going into the season. Uh, they're capable. They want to play real fast on offense. Uh, still need to be a little better in regards to turning the ball over. Uh, obviously, still a bit of a concern there. Uh, obviously, Syracuse got after them uh, on the boards as well. Uh, Georgetown shooting. Certainly a struggle uh, against the zone. That's sort of no surprise. Uh, the fact that they were able to operate inside. Mosley was fantastic in this game. He he was able to get just whatever he wanted for a stretch there. It was just it was like a an all NBA All Star game. How like guys will just go back and forth with one another. And uh, yeah, Tyus Battle and Mosley just sort of went back and forth for a stretch there. It was exciting. It was a good game. Um, once it really got cooking anyway. But yeah, uh, I think you've got to be excited for Georgetown. Again, uh, if you are a Georgetown fan, don't expect the tournament this year. Maybe not even NIT, but ex look for a couple of big wins against Big East teams. I, I think they're capable of pulling it off, especially with Govan. And if Mosley can continue to play like that, then the sky is the limit. And then finally, this is, uh, I guess, also ACC news. Uh, Juwan Morgan Indiana, 34 points, 11 rebounds in the 80-77 to win in overtime over Notre Dame. Uh, they just couldn't do anything with him. Uh, this was a great game uh, in dominance, right? I mean, uh, he simply couldn't be stopped, and they, and they kept feeding him, right? Uh, which is, you know, again, how teams win games. I've talked about that sort of over and over again. Don't stop feeding the guy that's working. Right, uh, they didn't really even have uh, Davis do much in this game. Um, yeah, like I, if you just look at the box score in particular, it's like Robert Johnson made some threes, 
and then Morgan just crushed. All right, Bonzi Colson got his on the other end as well. But once again, I, I came into the season worried about you know a couple of things with them. I was worried that Fluger was not going to be able to give uh, Notre Dame what Steve Vestoria had given them in years past. Uh, that certainly seemed to be the case here. Uh, Gebbin in the starting lineup, uh, just not really providing you know the the defensive presence that they sort of need down low if they're going to be playing a guy that's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six at the four, like they do with Bonzi Colson. And then the bench is is problematic as well. I mean, guys like DJ Harvey just not giving them anything right now. John Mooney, um, you know, if, if John Mooney is playing more minutes than DJ Harvey, then that's not a good thing for a guy who was a very, very heralded freshman coming into the season. I really liked what I saw out of him in – you know, a couple of the games early uh, in the season, uh, I liked some of the minutes that he was giving. Uh, I'm trying to remember the last game I saw him in. Regardless, down the stretch the last few games, that Ball State game, Indiana, uh, he's been giving them nothing. They need more bench minutes, period. Um, and they certainly need to improve the defense if they want to be a serious ACC contender. The offense will obviously be there for them going forward they did fine offensively against indiana that's no surprise but yeah they need more from guys like gibbs gevin uh gevin fluger harvey those were it cannot be Farrell and colson colson's not going to be able to single-handedly take this team to single digit losses it's just not going to happen indiana again this is a year in which you're not expecting to go to the tournament right you're expecting archie miller to just show that there's hope on the horizon and I definitely think that he's done that they played pretty well against Duke all things considered beat Notre Dame neutral court that's a good win uh beat a pretty good Iowa team uh gave Louisville some some trouble on the road a little bit obviously they just lost by 20 to Fort Wayne uh on Monday but again th there's stuff there it's going to be an up and down season that's that's no surprise for a team in their situation they can't shoot at all uh, Archie Miller sort of needs shooters. So, uh, again, look for just a couple of big marquee wins for Indiana. Archie Miller can coach. He'll he'll make a couple of those wins happen. They won't make the tournament this year. That's fine. Look for next year. They can make that run. That's my uh, all-week first team, my Elite Eight. Uh, at number eight, I've got Miami. Number seven, Virginia. Uh, I know I'm a little lower on Miami than uh, most Actually, I'm going to knock Miami off because I realized I made a mistake in here in regards to my rankings. Uh, I think that uh, Miami just doesn't really have an impressive win. Uh, Minnesota looked a lot more impressive early in the season. Um, I'm not convinced yet that they have a good win outside of that, and if that's your best win, I, I think the teams in the top eight have better wins. Uh, number eight, I've got Virginia. Number seven, Purdue. Uh, number six, I've got Kentucky. Uh, number five, Arizona State. Really impressed with them. Still need to play some defense, but if they keep winning games, it does not matter. Uh, number four, I've got Duke. Uh, number three, Texas A&M. Number two, Michigan State. And at number one, I've got Villanova. Pretty easy pick there. Uh, Ooh Child Award winner this week. Uh, you know, it's tempting to just go with Matthew Fisher Davis again. I feel like I could do this. Every other week, he scored two points on one of ten shooting in that lost Arizona State. Vanderbilt's got sh – they should be able to compete in games against teams like Arizona State where it's all offense, not a lot of defense. I don't know why Vanderbilt's offense is just so stagnant. I mean, we knew they'd miss Cornette, but 
you know, guys just can't shoot now. I mean, maybe just the spacing is messed up. Uh, I, I have no explanation. It, even with spacing issues, like they're, they're getting looks. Lachance, Fisher, Davis, you need more offense. And, and certainly two points on one of ten shooting from a guy like Matthew Fisher, Davis, a guy who, you know, may have projected to be sort of an all-SEC type of guy. Not going to cut it, but my award is going to go to Kamar Baldwin, a guy I really like, from Butler. 13 points on 5 of 19 shooting, 0 assists, 5 turnovers, and a blowout loss versus Purdue. Uh, Purdue jumped on him immediately, uh, and then there was just no coming back. It was one of those games. Purdue is scary. That's why, even though they've got the two losses early, including the Western Kentucky loss, uh, they're still in my top 8. I could really make an argument for them to be top 5. Uh, because, you know, they've got really good wins past that, and they just not only got good wins, but they've looked strong in those wins. So, uh, you know, I really like Purdue to challenge Michigan State for the Big Ten title this year. Uh, No Marshall Henderson winner this week, Zubak Award. Uh, I'm going to give it to Theo Pinson. Uh, Seven points, nine rebounds, eight assists, two steals in the win over Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee had that game in the bag. Uh, I I was really surprised by – how Tennessee closed that game. Uh, you know, they did a really, really good job containing Luke May in the first half. Second half, Luke was able to get a little bit more of what he wanted. Um, and ultimately, like, you know, if, if you're giving up 10 points to Sterling Manley, you know, we knew they were going to have a little bit of trouble on the interior. Uh, but, you know, Kenny Williams made a huge three down the stretch. If they can make threes, if UNC can make threes, that's going to be a really, really big deal. They've got uh, Barry can obviously shoot well. Um, you know, they've got May, who has been shooting very well so far to start the season. Uh, but Kenny Williams is the real surprise. You know, sh- currently shooting over 50% from three. That'll obviously come back down to earth. But at the same time, if they can have three credible three-point threats, uh, that's going to go a long way towards UNC uh, being an ACC contender. Uh, not worried about Tennessee. They're still young. Uh, there was some questionable decision-making. I've talked about it over and over again. If you've got a guy and it's working, get the ball to that guy. Grant Williams, they didn't get the ball to him enough. You know, he was bullying Luke May, uh, especially, you know, at the beginning. And then there was a play down towards the end where, again, they just gave it to Grant, and Grant just, like, backed May down. There was nothing May could do. Um, he's not a big defensive presence when it's a guy as physical and as big as Williams. Uh, 15 shots uh, for Grant Williams out of the 67 that they took. That's not enough. One one for two free throw shooting. Not enough, right? They've got to be able to get Williams to the line more. They've got to get Williams the ball a lot more. Uh, Admiral Schofield, get, get the ball out of your hands. Three for 13 shooting. I forget whether he or Lamont Turner was the one who made a really poor decision down the stretch. They should have given it to Williams. Instead, they just drove and chucked up a shot. I mean, that's really bad. I mean, if you're Schofield or Turner, there's no excuse for you to go a combined four for 21 from the field. Get the ball to your moneymaker, right? (laughs) Make it happen. So, uh, yeah, Theo Pinson, look, if Theo Pinson's not shooting the ball, then he's really valuable, right? Uh, He only shot the ball five times in that game. Uh, I think that's really good. Um, I mean, I'm going to talk a little shit about Pinson later, but he shows the potential to be a game changer when he's not shooting the ball. Um, you know, he needs to be on that Trayvon Duvall diet of, unless it's like at the rim 
and it's a layup, don't shoot, period. Right? The Tum Tum Nairn special. Uh, he's a terrible, terrible shooter, but really good passer for his size, good defender, uh, feisty on the boards. Um, he's got value in the lineup as long as UNC can put credible shooters around him. That's why having three shooters is so important for UNC because their big man won't be able to shoot uh, and Pinson cannot shoot at all. The other three guys have to be credible. If somebody else, if Kenny Williams or Luke May aren't making, then it's a very, very two-person game at most, and uh, that's problematic. So, uh, But a great win over a Tennessee team that I like a lot for UNC. Uh, but then the Farouk Manesh Award, flip side of the coin for UNC, Cameron Jackson from Wofford. People might have expected me to go Fletcher McGee here, who scored 27, and especially at the beginning was absolutely on fire. But I was most impressed with Cameron Jackson. I'd heard of McGee before, not Jackson as much. 18 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 6 blocks in the upset of UNC in Chapel Hill. Uh, he was a guy that Luke May could not defend, and on the inside, Luke May simply could not get any offense against. Uh, made it a good job on the defensive boards and stepped out, made a couple of jumpers. But on the inside, he was 2-for-10 shooting. And again, Cameron Jackson uh, just had his way. Uh, goes back to what I said earlier in the season that it got me a little bit of grief, frankly. If you play him physical, he's a, a lot less valuable to North Carolina. right? Um, Grant Williams is like 6'8", 240, maybe 6'7", 240. He's Luke May's size. right? Cameron Jackson, 6'8", 245. He's you know, bigger uh, than Luke May, right? If, if you can play bully ball with him, force him to get real physical, you're going to find your shots. You're going to get your looks. Uh, you're going to obviously be able to stop him on the inside uh, if you play more physically than he does. So uh, that's what teams really have to do. You've got to have a body that doesn't mind trying to bully him because while he's a brilliant outside shooter and he's a smart player – you can minimize where he'd really kill you, which is on the interior. Because if he's not scoring on the interior, you're not going to get too much from Sterling Manley and Garrison Brooks on the interior. Again, you want to try and make the game as limited as possible. Theo Pinson was dreadful in the game. Uh, I don't think that's going to surprise any UNC fans. Uh, Kenny Williams couldn't really get going either, didn't get a lot of clean looks. So it was the Joel Berry-Luke May show, and Cameron Jackson was having his way with Luke May. That's a recipe for an upset. Cameron Johnson made his debut, uh, shot nothing but threes. Uh, nah, he got some he got some free throws on some drives too, but he registered as no two-point attempts, uh, which is funny. Uh, coming into the season, he was definitely heralded as being maybe he can beat the other shooter. But now that Luke May has played the way that he has played, I, I sort of wonder what Roy will do. Again, I, I'd like to see, if I'm a UNC fan, I'd like to see Johnson maybe at the four and May at the five, just spread everything. But as noted, uh, May can't really defend physical bigs. So that would create maybe some liabilities down low that Roy just doesn't want to do. In which case, what do you do with Johnson? How do you sub out? You need Pinson's defense over Johnson's offense. It'll be some interesting roster management from, uh, from Roy, uh, who is the king of interesting roster management. Uh, but a great win for Wofford, obviously. You know, Wofford, people forget, was a, a really good team, what, uh, when, a couple of years back? I mean, uh, they are well-coached. Uh, yes, they've struggled some as of late, 
um, maybe aren't projected to be uh, a tournament team this year, but they're projected to be, uh, again, a, a decent player in the Southern Conference. Um, I, I just think that, you know, they, they saw the mismatch they wanted, Jackson versus May, and they really exploited it. Um, on the offensive boards, uh, Wofford has been dreadful so far this year. They're they're sub 300. They're like 325. Uh, and again, they, they competed with UNC on the boards. They only lost that battle by like four rebounds. Uh, didn't even shoot the three tremendously well. Just got what they wanted inside. So uh, props to Wofford. If I'm a UNC fan, I'm not worried about it because Wofford's a well-coached team with a good shooter and a physical guy down low. That's a that's a matchup nightmare, and and Roy loses a dumb early season game every year. Just in the same way that Duke loses the first ACC road game, UNC loses some bullshit game out of conference every year, but then they still contend for the ACC title. I wouldn't worry about it, um, but it's definitely a place where you want to look if you're a UNC fan worried about potential uh, matchup issues that opponents can exploit. Uh, picks for this week. Texas versus Alabama. Uh, give me Alabama. Um, I, I don't really know what Alabama's going to do with Mo Bamba uh, and really uh, their big lumberjack-looking dude, Oz, Uh I'm not really sure what they're going to do with him either necessarily. I, I just don't trust Texas's guards to deal with uh, Colin Sexton uh, defensively. Um, I, I think Colin Sexton is a monster. He makes the team better. And uh, even though I do think Texas is good this year, um, I just like Alabama a little bit more. It's a quasi-home game for Alabama. It's in Birmingham. Uh, I, I like Alabama's chances here. Northwestern at Oklahoma, please. Oklahoma all day. Northwestern has not done anything to me to convince me that they that last season was not fluky so far. I need more from them. UCLA versus Kentucky. Give me Kentucky, uh, especially if they're making their threes. UCLA is going to be at its best when it's playing a team that it can outrun, and, and I just don't think that Kentucky is that team. They may uh, Kentucky may struggle a little bit uh, defensively against some of the things that UCLA wants to do, um, you know, I, I certainly think UCLA's uh, guards are quick enough to also create some turnover issues, which definitely has been a problem for Kentucky early in the season. Um, but at the same time, forcing turnovers has not really been what UCLA has done so far this year, even though they've got the potential there. Uh, guys like Holiday and Hands, I mean, they're fast enough to make some things happen. It's just not really the way that they've been playing. So, yeah, give me Kentucky on a neutral court there all day. Tennessee at Wake Forest. This is a really interesting game, mostly because uh, Tennessee is really good, but playing at Wake is always going to be sort of an interesting uh, endeavor. Wake Forest uh, has definitely not played great so far this year uh, at all, but... Uh, they beat, you know, uh, Illinois at home, a, a not totally awful Illinois team. Uh, but still, man, if you lose to Georgia Southern at home, you lose to Liberty at home. Uh, they struggled on the road against Coastal Carolina. UNC Greensboro, although, uh, you know, UNC Greensboro obviously did well uh, against NC State on the road. At the same time, I, I just like Tennessee's bodies a little bit more. I don't really know who Wake Forest can play down low to play with Grant Williams, assuming the guards 
feed him. Uh, and I think Tennessee defensively, guys like Turner, Schofield, uh, I think defensively they can sort of deal with the fact that Wake plays that three-guard lineup with Childress, Wilbekin, uh, Keyshawn Woods uh, a lot. So, uh, yeah, give me uh, Tennessee in that game. OSU versus UNC. This is a really interesting game to me, mostly because I did not expect OSU to be even remotely interesting this season. I expected them to be bad, but they've actually been quite good. Uh, almost beat Butler neutral court, uh, beat Wisconsin on the road, beat Michigan at home. This is a neutral court game. Uh, you know, on the plus side, uh, Ohio State likes to play inside a little bit. Uh, you know, I wonder if Bates Jop can again maybe get a little physical with May. May I think is a little bigger than him, but again, Chris Holtman is going to try and play really tough nosed defense. Uh, they're going to try and do their best to keep UNC off the offensive glass. They've done a really good job of that all season long. Uh, they don't commit dumb fouls. So there are definite perks there for OSU. Ultimately, I think UNC is just the better team. Uh, so give me UNC in that game as well. Uh, Onions picks. Uh, let's see. Let's just go through the games and see if I see anything tasty on the line. Gonzaga at San Diego State. No, I can't pull that trigger. Um... Xavier at Northern Iowa might be a little scary for Xavier. Um, I'm not sure whether Xavier is ranked presently or not, so wouldn't count regardless, I don't think. Uh, that's definitely one to keep an eye out for. Uh, I don't know that I like any other things that would be even remotely onionsy because the whole weekend doesn't really have games. So those are really our matchups. Uh, I guess I can go into the next week and talk about some of these games too, since there won't be an episode. Xavier at Marquette. Uh, give me Xavier. Uh, Marquette can shoot the leather off the ball. It's very possible that Marquette could get real hot and run away with this one. Um, but give me uh, give me Xavier in that one. Butler at Georgetown, even though Butler is not ranked, it would certainly be uh, – upset adjacent if Georgetown won. I sort of like Georgetown there. I, I don't really trust what Butler has done down low uh, at all, frankly. Um, Nevada at Fresno State. Again, if Fresno State won that one, it would be uh, upset adjacent as well. Uh, that's one to keep an eye out on. Uh, anything else interesting on Wednesday? No. Thursday. Creighton at Seton Hall. Give me Seton Hall. Providence at St. John's. Uh you know, I like Providence a lot, but on the road, the Johnnies uh, definitely can shoot. I like the Johnnies at home there. Uh, nothing else really interesting on that Thursday. Kansas at Texas. Ooh, boy, this will be a good start for Kansas's year. Look, um, is Billy Preston back by the 29th? Because they need bodies. I, I, I think that Azabuki versus Bamba, yeah, maybe he can bully Bamba a little bit, but he, he, Bamba could also draw a lot of fouls. I, I, God Bless America, I cannot say. The big lumberjack dude, Ozitkowski. Uh, if if he gets going uh, and Ozibuki gets in foul trouble, they're going to have a lot of stuff to deal with. And uh, Texas is definitely defensively capable of holding Kansas to jump shooting, which would not be good for Kansas. Uh, I like Texas in the upset in that game, frankly. West Virginia at Oklahoma State will be a dangerous one for West Virginia, but ultimately I like them to prevail. Baylor at Texas Tech. Uh, give me Texas Tech at home. I, I think they're under the radar. Maybe that win will will put them on people's radars a little bit more. 
Louisville at Kentucky. Give me Kentucky, especially at home. Uh, Louisville has not overly impressed me. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, but ultimately, uh, you know, maybe they can make that game interesting by forcing a lot of turnovers. That's really their best chance because I think Kentucky can 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 do business otherwise. Uh, nothing else too tasty there. Oklahoma at TCU. Boy, you know, Trey Young definitely should be able to get what he wants against uh, TCU. Uh, you know, Jalen Fisher is good, but not not in the vicinity of Trey Young good. Uh, I just sort of wonder because TCU is another one of these teams that offensively is really stout. Uh, you know, beat SMU and beat Nevada. Those are both pretty good wins there. Their top 10 effective field goal, three-point uh, percentage, uh, 11th, two-point percentage, 21st. Uh, you know, they pass the ball really, really well. Give me TCU in what would definitely be seen as an upset uh, by the media. Uh, Texas A&M at Alabama. Ultimately, I think uh, Alabama doesn't have the size to deal with Tyler Davis, uh, to deal with Robert Williams uh, on the interior. Give me Texas A&M there. Tennessee at Arkansas. Ooh, tempting. Tempting. Uh, I mean, give me Arkansas. They're at home. Uh, I like uh, what Arkansas has been doing. They don't turn the ball over. They've got a pretty efficient offense. They're honestly going to play probably not horribly dissimilarly to uh, Tennessee. A lot of dribble penetration. I, I like Gafford on the inside. I like what I've seen out of him so far this year. Uh, so, yeah, give me Arkansas if they're at home. Definitely a space where Tennessee could get an impressive win to really bolster that resume. Arizona State at Arizona. Huge test for uh, Arizona State. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether Arizona State can make it. They're still undefeated. They probably should. But on the road versus Arizona, Raleigh Alkins is back. Uh, Romello White is really good, but I, I don't know what Arizona State would do with DeAndre Ayton. They're going to have to basically outscore Arizona at home or on the road. I, I'm not convinced that that can happen. Give me Arizona in that one. Villanova at Butler is an easy Villanova pick. Florida State at Duke. Florida State is feisty. They are going to be a matchup issue for Duke in the sense that they're going to want to penetrate, penetrate, penetrate. Uh, if I'm Coach K, I zone here. Uh, it's something that they've been very reluctant to do. Um, but Florida State, not a great shooting team. They're going to want to make their bed inside. Uh, play the zone. If they try and go inside, foul. They're a terrible foul shooting team. Um, they're going to want to play up-tempo, so try and set that zone. That transition defense has to be better for Duke. Their transition defense early this year was brutal. Uh, ultimately, it's at Duke, so, I mean, I like Duke to win. Uh, but Florida State, definitely a matchup issue. Uh, could make that game a little on the interesting side. Uh, anything else before the new year? Virginia Tech at Syracuse. Virginia Tech can shoot, so uh, I like Virginia Tech to pull off the road uh, win there. St. John's at Seton Hall. Again, St. John's is going to be real dangerous because of their shooting, but give me Seton Hall at the end of that one. January 1st, uh, nothing terribly interesting there. And then Tuesday will be my episode with K-Bad. So that is this entire episode. Thank you to everybody who listens. Uh, please uh, leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. Follow us everywhere. Twitter.com slash seconds the number two madness. I am Russell H. Film on Twitter. KBAD is at KBADDS on Twitter. Thank you to everybody who listens. I hope everybody has 
Happy Hanukkah, a Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you celebrate. Uh, have a happy one and have a very, very happy new year. From KBAD and from myself, Russell Hainline, this has been another 2.1 seconds of madness. Good night. And we'll see you in 2018. You know my stage. Let them know. Do your thing, dog. Keep it live. To the beach, y'all.